as we want start to strip down some of the language that we've used and and created these very it only happens in these places well no we connect to nature in every single moment of our lives we are nature it's in our dna to be connected to earth air water and 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 the sky like it's just we that's why nature is so good for us because when we're in those spaces our dna knows what it feels like to be in nature and it, it, it thrives in that space Thank you for joining me for this episode of Keynotes and the second episode in our two-part series examining the work of Next 100 Colorado and its mission to establish a more just and inclusive parks and public land system. I'm your host, Marcus Chavez, Communications Director for the Keystone Policy Center. If you haven't done so already, I encourage you to listen to our last episode examining the inequality of access to our public parks and green spaces for many marginalized communities and the isolation that can be felt by members of these communities from their experiences in outdoor spaces. We talked about the Next 100 Coalition forming in 2016 to set a vision of inclusion for the next 100 years of conservation and stewardship in America. And from that group formed Next 100 Colorado, also committed to inclusive approach to public lands over the next 100 years, but primarily focused on making that vision a reality in Colorado. We highlighted the power that can be harnessed when people gather together to share experiences and develop solutions, a common byproduct of the work that Keystone engages in. But Next 100 Colorado is making their vision a reality through action based on three guiding principles. Ensuring our public lands reflect the faces of our community, respect all cultures, and actively engage all people. And perhaps the best place to start is with the first thing you see when you visit a local or national park. The people who make up the workforce. last episode, we discussed how people of color do not visit national parks at the same levels as white Americans. That trend is also reflected in the National Park Service workforce. According to an article in National Parks Traveler, written last year by Lori Sonkin, black employees comprise almost 7% of the National Park's permanent full-time workforce, significantly less than the 13% of black Americans in the national population. Hispanic employees are also underrepresented, making up 5.6% of the Park Service general workforce, despite accounting for more than 17% of the population. Asian Americans encompass about 2.3% of employees, compared to 5.9% of the national population. In an effort to combat these trends in Colorado and develop a new generation of leaders of color in the outdoor and recreation sectors, Next 100 Colorado launched a mentorship program in 2020. It was a six-month program for a cohort of 10 mentors and 10 mentees designed to help connect both Colorado's emerging and seasoned leaders of color through a series of partnerships, network formation, and leadership building. Mallory Huggins, Senior Project Director at Keystone Policy Center, who leads our facilitation effort of Next 100 Colorado, explains. We initially envisioned this being a program that was in person, um, and of course it had to all be virtual because of um, because of COVID, but um, folks really found it valuable. and you know, one of the things that I've heard from Next 100 at the national level, Next 100 um, Colorado uh, at at the state level, and then from this mentorship program is just this idea that so many rooms in conservation or outdoor recreation spaces are almost entirely white people and, and people of color find themselves in those spaces being, you know, one of only a few. And Next 100 kind of flips that and creates these spaces that are um, that are predominantly people of color. And just even that um, 
feels really different in, in a way that, that has been valuable to lots of the folks who have, have been involved. With there being so few leaders of color in the outdoor and recreation fields, Teresa Martinez, the executive director of the Continental Divide Trail Coalition, emphasized how critical it is for current leaders of color in these sectors to build the bridge for the next generation of leaders. There was this opportunity to realize that we had a lot of professionals like myself who have been in this field for a really long time. You know, I'm the one of the only Latina um, executive directors of a national nonprofit, not just in Colorado, but in the nation. Um, and realizing that, you know, we're sort of, we're in this part of our career, but thinking about the people that are, that we're um, passing the batons onto, so to speak, and realizing we, we had an opportunity to create a bridge between sort of my generation of professionals and those younger folks coming into the field or wanting to get into the field or in the field and looking to take next steps. And um, so we sort of created this opportunity to bring together those young professionals and those of us who are maybe more uh, seasoned and, um, you know, pave the way to just building community and, and finding like, we're not alone. Like for many years as, as, as one of the only um, Latina women, much less Latinos in general, Hispanic people in this field to, you know, look around and know when you walk into a room, you're the only brown person walking into a room. And in while my community has been incredibly supportive and amazing, you still know you're different. The mentorship program consisted of three full cohort gatherings, three one-on-one meetings, and one closing celebration. And even though the entire program had to be done in the era of COVID-19, Noe Orgaz, a senior organizing manager, says the program was a success because it accomplished its goal of building a foundation for future opportunities for emerging leaders of color. We really wanted an opportunity for young people who are interested in the field to get an exposure to professionals, see themselves in a place where they could create a career and have a future in, and and understand the, the components and the complexities, right? Um, so establishing this mentorship program was one addressing a need for for folks that felt that it wasn't that it was non-existent and then two creating the foundation for future opportunities because young people deserve this information i didn't receive this information as a young person i walked into learning about conservation um, i'm 36 but i learned about conservation 3 years ago when i started working as an organizer uh, there's so many jobs, so many opportunities that folks have uh, a chance to obtain, and they just need to know about them in order to achieve them. Martinez emphasizes Orgaz's point about how critical it is to build a community of current and emerging leaders of color. What's really cool is we uh, are building in as part of the next 100 scope of work and the work that we do uh, quarterly check-ins. And then hopefully once we can all be in person, actually creating a peer network across not just the mentors and mentees, but all of us to sort of be like, wow, we have a community. We actually have a community now. And that's that's pretty exciting. And it, and it feels good as a professional right now. And I'm sure it must feel good as someone looking forward in their career to think like I have resources and I have a community to be a part of and to share with and to, um, to learn from and grow with. So yeah, it, it's been a great program. You know, it was, um, we did have some we had we were had the opportunity to meet with some senior level folks and various across industry folks and um, present to them and talk to them about how we see the world and um, how we hope that we get we all together get to reimagine conservation and stewardship moving forward, which I think is an exciting time. Another initiative Next 100 Colorado has engaged in is one I find very powerful. 
and that is storytelling, specifically telling the stories that haven't traditionally been told to the broader audience. For example, in February 2020, Next 100 Colorado celebrated the launch of a new museum exhibit at the American Mountaineering Center in Golden, Colorado. The exhibit was called Something Yet Higher, and it focused on the life of Charles Crenshaw, the first black American to summit Denali. Huggins shares more about the exhibit and other storytelling initiatives Next 100 is engaged in. You know, we tend to have this sort of standard idea of an explorer, and it's often, you know, a a white man, and there's often this... um, you know, sort of colonialist approach to how we tell that story, that there's people conquering mountains and, you know, traveling far and wide to conquer mountains. And so trying to just bring a little complexity to that and, and share stories um, of folks like Charlie Crenshaw that, that aren't as well known as, um, as you know, other explorers. Um, one of the other things we've been focusing on um, in the last couple of months is a series called Conversations with Our Elders. So just trying to connect people in Colorado who are working on, you know, conservation or, or outdoor equity issues and connecting them with, um, with folks in Colorado who've been working on these issues for a long time, maybe under the banner of conservation or outdoor recreation, or maybe not. And then there's also, you know, the, the, the piece that's maybe more strictly connected to actual parks and public lands about, you know, what, what kind of names do we give to our public places? Um, what kind of, um, uh, people do we honor and and um, stories do we do we honor um, in in those places? So that's a couple of the things the group has talked about. Um, and we're also um, embarking this year uh, on a partnership with the Salazar Center for uh, North American Conservation at Colorado State University to um, help students and and other leaders across the state who work in conservation of the outdoors to tell their own stories um, uh, through video. Uh, so we're, we hired a filmmaker and an educator to, to work with the students so that they can, they can tell their own stories. And again, just like getting more narratives out there. Orgaz shares his insight on the importance of storytelling. The importance of storytelling is in the short term and the, the short view, a way to build community, right? Indigenous communities are in relation with each other through storytelling. But in the larger scheme of things, in our ecology, storytelling is, is going to allow us to grow deeper, right? It's going to allow us to grow and understand what is the audience that we're speaking to. It's changing. I mean, the frustrating part about it is that the audience was always there, but nobody wanted to really address them, right, or, or work with them. Folks don't see themselves, people of color don't see themselves in ads and in outdoor industry products, right? And that's been a call for for why has that been for so long? And we're slowly seeing a trend to, to shift that narrative, right? And we have to allow space for that. It can't always just be the the status quo or the, the, the dominant culture's idea of what outdoor recreation means. There is no doubt that there is also a need to address these challenges through policy. You may recall from our last episode that I read a portion of an op-ed from Colorado State Representative Leslie Herod, where she talked about the need for equitable access for all to Colorado's outdoors. Herod is one of the sponsors of legislation passed this month by the Colorado General Assembly that would create a Colorado Outdoor Equity Grant Program. The bill establishes a new statewide grant program designed to increase outdoor access and opportunities for underserved youth and their families. The Outdoor Equity Fund is sort of modeled after um, efforts in other states, specifically New Mexico developed this fund, um, recognizing that outdoor access is 
you know, important for everyone and has all sorts of benefits, but that um, not all people, and in particular, not all kids and youth have equal access to the outdoors. So in New Mexico, the idea was to develop a fund that would give, um, that make it easy for small organizations um, or even just like groups of people to um, access funding to support them getting outdoors, whether that's with like park passes or gear or transportation. Um, so New Mexico did that a couple of years ago, and then Colorado has been kind of talking about it for a while. And it was really this last year that a coalition that was next 100 members, but kind of bigger than that, um, really took it on and, and moved with it. Teresa Martinez says that at the end of the day, all of these efforts go towards ultimately breaking down the antiquated perceptions of who belongs outdoors. And so I think as we look forward, you know, reimagining and redefining what being outside looks like and who does it and how they do it, um, everything from as well as like, you know, people who aren't super fit or spelt professional athletes that, you know, everyday people that just show up and you don't need high, you know, highly technical or fancy shoes to go walking. You just put your shoes on and you go for a walk kind of thing. Like just breaking down some of that imagery and um, previous perceptions of who belongs outside versus who is outside. And I think as we move forward, we're finding um, a lot of ways to sort of break down those stereotypes and break down the images of who belongs and who is outside. There are so many more initiatives and projects Next 100 Colorado has in the works. And we are certainly going to be highlighting more about the Colorado Outdoor Equity Program in a future episode of Keynotes. But all of these collective actions show that when a group like Next 100 Colorado comes together to develop solutions for outdoor inequality, such as aiming to diversify the outdoor workforce, telling the valuable stories of little-known but critically important pioneers and leaders of color, and advocating for policy change, they create so many more opportunities for new cohorts of leaders. It's the kind of impact that reverberates through generations. Keynotes is a production of the Keystone Policy Center, a 501c3 nonprofit organization based out of Keystone, Colorado, which for more than 45 years has empowered leaders to reach common higher ground. This episode has been made possible by a contribution from the Denver Foundation. If you would like to offer feedback about the podcast or suggest topics for future episodes, please email me at mchavez at keystone.org. That's M-C-H-A-V-E-Z at keystone.org. If you would like to learn more about the Keystone Policy Center, visit our website at keystone.org. Mm-hmm.